When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. F1 is nearly here. It's so close, I can taste it. I'm joined by Matt Durumpets. How's it going there, Matt? It's going really, really well because it's getting warm again and the snow is going away. Right. Yeah, it is. I drove to work in the fog this morning, but by lunchtime, it was beautiful and it was crisp and it was almost warm. Sort of F1 weather, sort of F1 testing weather when we're nearly there, only a couple of weeks off. It's in the air. You can taste the new season. We're seeing cars on track. We're seeing liveries launched and we're going to discuss all of that. But first, I want to remind you that we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're also joined by our mascot, Chris Stevens. How's it going, Chris? Hey, Spanners. It's been a very busy week in the world of PR. All the prepping for the 2021 season, announcements and driver lineups and car reveals. It's a very exciting time. Don't talk to me about PR. I asked you very reasonably for extremely (laughs) time-intensive free PR for Missed Apex. And you were like, oh, no, I've got a job and I need money to eat food. Well, we're going to have a sort of consultation chat at some point. Let's book that in. Help me, but more on the Missed Apex push for promo a little bit later in the show. And we're also joined, I'm so delighted to be joined on the live panel this time by Tony Cohen-Brown. Hello, Tony. Hi, thanks for having me back. We did a great pre-recorded segment with you a little while back as we discussed your TikTok channel that was Ah, explaining sort of almost F1 questions you were afraid to ask. How's that all going? Good. The questions are coming in faster than I can answer them, which I guess is a good problem to have. Um, 
and they're more diverse every time I look at them. Um, so that's quite good. I don't think I'm great at keeping the, it's like there's so much content. Um, so I need to get better at this becoming a daily thing. Yeah, it's like a relentless yeah. machine that feeds off you. So you're, you're building up quite a backlog now. Yes. All right. Well, if you Very have any, so. if you have any examples that you don't think you're going to fit into your show, feel free to bring them up later. Because yes. I, I think uh, F1 has attracted a lot of new and different fans over the last couple of mm. years, especially with Drive to Survive. I think that has played a massive part in, you know, particularly a lot of Americans coming over, Matt. And it's it's fine to enjoy it and not be immediately an expert, isn't it? Yeah, well, it was the one thing that actually put Formula One into my family's orbit watching that first season. They could they begin to appreciate what they could get out of the sport and not what I had already gotten out of it, if you know what I mean. All right. Well, before we get too many insults in the live chat, I will say hello. Thank you for joining us in the live chat room. You can join us, too, if you're listening or watching after the fact by going onto YouTube and searching for Missed Apex Podcast. Do please give this video a like, a subscribe, click the little bell, and you'll get a notification every time you go live. And you can join what is, on race days, a very, very busy chat room. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you here. Uh, let's get on with the uh, the news, but not the not the small, clean news. Oh, no. Big Dirty News. Let's kick off. Let's kick off with Tony, actually, if you don't mind. Uh, F1 lost a bit of money, but they don't seem to care. That's a nice way of putting it. They definitely lost a little bit of money. I was I didn't listen in to the Liberty Media earnings call, but I was reading through the transcript, which is always an interesting. It's funny how the first half of the transcript is very much written out, PR'd. And then when it gets to the Q&A, you start seeing the ramblings of, oh, dear, what do we... So that was always interesting. But yes, they shared their full year financial results um, that was released. Um, I think it was Friday, actually, that they released it. Um, and it's decreased by 44%, which oh. is a fair chunk of money. Um, so a total loss of $386 million, I believe. I believe Matt has some specific figures to go through in a little bit, but the core of the issue comes from the fact that there weren't as many races last year as there were supposed to be because of covid this is very understandable so the big thing is obviously fans were only allowed into three races and even then it was a very limited number of fans so they've lost uh, the circuits have lost a lot of revenue and then f1 has had to re-agree uh, deals with the uh, with the circuits that could host races, both the ones that were supposed to be on the calendar and the new ones that came in. So that's a lot of one-time deals. Formula One lost a lot of money there. And uh, even though they got the uh, the minimum 17 races to get the broadcasters to pay up, there are mm. some kind of specific deals that they have with certain promoters that because there were 17 races and not 21 or whatever it was supposed to be, um, they lost a lot of money from from them as well so yeah it's very easy to see where the where the circle has been sort of cut in half there it also brings up the diversification of the revenue for me just like if the, if the main bulk of the money is coming from the race and the tickets from the races what does that look like to diversify your revenue stream for as a, as f1 as a whole well i i think they lost a lot from the promoters as well 
um, title sponsorship for certain Grand Prix that didn't happen. You lose mm-hmm. the money from from that and sponsors that were going to be at particular races. And because they've, again, because they're only being promoted at 17 races rather than 21, you, you lose money from from there. But uh, Matt, I think, has got uh, a lot more uh, detail on, on some numbers, especially about how the, the teams were impacted by this as well, because they got less money. Yeah, well, the teams will be getting less money this year because half of that goes to be their prize money that gets divided up. And some part of that also goes to be their standard payment that they get for being in the sport enough years. So that number will go down. And so we've seen things like McLaren remortgaging the technology center. We've seen things like new investors being brought on board. We've seen Haas kick out their longtime drivers and bring in, we will call them pay drivers, but essentially they are bringing lots of money to the team. And it's all because this is not really a surprise to anyone. You, at the moment this happened, you could predict it. And as far as the top line number, uh, they're claiming a $386 million loss in revenue, fall from $1.012 billion to $711 million. And everything went down. Right? Promotion fees was the hardest hit. And that, as you point out adequately, adequately, as you point out, was because they had to make new deals with tracks that didn't necessarily even get three days and could have no audiences. So they lost the most from that. And what really changed was sort of the percentage, where the percentage revenues came from. Broadcast TV still was was the bulk of it. But even there, they lost money because they didn't have as many races as they initially planned to. But they did hit that crucial number of 15 to guarantee they got the bulk of that number. I, I think it's amazing, though, how how patient everyone has been i think in the f1 community i've heard a lot of stories of sponsors who just did not get the value that they felt they were going to get in 2019 yet have stayed on board and have come to kind of amical arrangements with teams where they can arrange promo in different ways and also chris i think that f1 themselves and liberty themselves kind of seem to have just put a a real brave face on it just like yeah we knew those losses were coming We've done everything to mitigate it. We're going to carry on and we're, we're feeling positive. And that's, that's nice. There's no pity party going on. Yeah, especially when you consider other parts of the Liberty Group have also had massive losses because of COVID. They are definitely putting on, as you say, a very brave face. And, mm. you know, there is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. They're expecting fans to be allowed into most of the Grand Prix this year. I personally think that's a little bit ambitious. And even then, it's still going to be less than what you would normally get. You know, we're not going to go from zero to 100 straight away, but uh, it's it's going to be, you know, starting to get back to the to the norm. Yeah, so I would say with regard to that, where F1 is really going to be focused is going to be at the, um, at the VIP ticket level, because Ooh. I'm sure that's where they make, the promoters make Boku buck, as does Formula One. I'm being and targeted not- again. I know, I hate that, but it's not all bad news. Some costs did significantly decrease, or at least decrease, the logistics cost in particular because of the way the races were arranged and the fact there were fewer of them is a little ray of sunshine there. Some of the outlays that formerly had to be made to get to all the races did come down, so it's not quite as terribly bad as it could have been. And in fact, I'm just going to say it now, I'm impressed that Liberty managed to put on any season at all and I'm delighted that the Formula One teams have recognized that. And I do feel like they are all doing their best to work together to keep the sponsors happy and to keep the sport rolling. 
until we get to a point where we can go back and do things in a normal fashion. The logistics comes from the fact that most of the races were held in Europe. So obviously they're not sticking them out on freighters to send them to America or to Asia and all the other corners of the world. Uh, and I fully second what you say there, Matt. It is incredible that we got a season at all. You know, even a half a season would have been amazing. And it's a time where Formula One has had to really come together, the entire community, for the sake of its own survival. And we're always talking about teams that, oh, we want this ruling because it's in the best interest for us. But when crunch time came, they really came together. Mm, I think it was mostly down to handsome podcasts that were just just did their best to just push through despite being nagged and told uh, told to stop it because there was no F1 on for eight months. Oh, sure, please don't do that again. You know what was also interesting to watch is, to your point, watching them come together, watching them achieve the impossible, but also getting really being forced to get really creative in the confines of what they had. And I think that was exciting to see. Of It gave a little bit of a glimmer of hope of what could be F1 in a couple of years with all of that creativity coming in, whether that's focusing more on the digital aspects and the social aspects. Um, engaging with F1 creators around the world. Um, that I thought was exciting. Right. So, I mean, this is obviously Liberty Media now stretching their legs, but I have heard lots of really positive things about how they are trying to drive for the US market uh, and attract a new audience with fresh eyes, probably, you know, from, say, the Bernie era. And there is more of an embrace with digital content, or I think, do we still call it new media Tony, uh, there's, there's, there's an active drive towards new media, podcasts, YouTube and stuff like that. So there are opportunities ahead and it does feel like a kind of a very American drive. It does. And I think it needs that. And I think to your point, what were you saying about Drive to Survive attracting a new audience? It certainly helped attract a whole new American audience because it gave that idea of characters and drama and storytelling that America does really well in sports. That I think it sounds like the new CEO coming in, Stefano, is definitely looking at America as a new market, but also looking at very strategically of what does this mean for F1 as a whole and how do you embrace a whole new plethora of fans in that market so it was exciting to see that there's definitely still talks going on for a second race and what what do you see when we talk about you know new opportunities that liberty could em- embrace tony like where do we think we're going you know beyond just you know reaching out to digital media mugs like me where do you th- like physically where they're going well no like i mean you- no 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 as in like oh, what direction like and, yeah yeah um i actually think there's an I would love to see them embrace Twitch a little bit more. I think it's interesting to see those newer drivers and youngest drivers yeah. on there. I think there's a whole new plethora of opportunities there. I'd love to see them, and this is maybe the wrong panel to say this to, but I'd love to see them embracing, going direct to consumers. So not bypassing the media, but I think with the likes of Clubhouse, <laughs> TikTok, social media, there's an opportunity for them as an entity, as a corporate entity, but also their drivers are already doing this. But I would love to see F1 as a corporate entity going more direct to the consumers um, with their content. Well, while we're on this, it, it's almost inevitable, isn't it? Like I know we've got a sort of slightly older fan base in, in F1 compared to maybe a lot of sports, uh, but they've almost got no choice because if you've got Lando with his fan base, and it's the same reason why F1 can't ignore WTF1, for example, who've got that great young demographic. Lando Norris has a great following on Twitch. They, They can't leave that on the table just from a pure business point of view. And it's not about replacing the old with the new. It's about adding to what's already available. So it's not about saying we're not going to do things the way we used to, but it's about saying, well, there's a a plethora of other new ways and many other channels that we should be embracing and understanding their new audiences and what they're they're looking at. These audiences are not sitting in front of their TV anymore. They're not sat, sorry, in front of their TV anymore. Chris. 
terms of where they're physically going, you know, a second race in America very much yes. on the cards and plenty of fantastic. I hope they don't just decide to build another new circuit like they did with Kota. As popular as that circuit is, North America has so many amazing circuits to choose from. If we can just bump them up to an FIA grade one, it will be fantastic. But they're also looking at uh, races in Africa. So Kyle Army got done up a couple of years ago, obviously very big F1 venue from the from the 70s and I think into the 80s, if I remember correctly as well. And um, so that's hosting uh, races again. Be nice to go back there, looking at Morocco mm. as well, uh, where the Marrakesh Epri is usually Morocco. held as well. And uh, more places in Asia as well. Vietnam, they're not finished with Vietnam. Still going to try and get that back uh, on the calendar. Two rumpets. Yeah, well, and this is, as you point out rightly, Chris, it's not just America. They are looking to make the global part of Liberty Global an accurate portrayal of the sport. They want to go to new locations. They want more continent. But with regards to America, there was a story that we were going to talk about last week. In particular, one Tavo Helmond, of whom you may have heard, Mm -hmm. is now uh, started a new company called a SPAC or a special purpose acquisition company for the sole purpose of investing in a Formula One team. And this is an American-based entity oh, you're taking over. looking to buy a new team. And the two names that were mentioned in the, I believe it was Auto Week article, were um, Sauber, which we would call Alfa Romeo now. Uh, Alfa Romeo, but also worth noting that that was always like naming rights is, is how I understand it, rather than like Alfa Romeo being a team in the traditional sense. So it is still Sauber under there if you scratch off the paint. The other one that he, that, that he mentioned being interested in when they were flaunting this was Alpha Tari. Wow. Why would Red Bull give that up? That's been such a tool in their armory. And hang on a minute, hang on a minute. That is probably what gave them power to give this engine freeze is that they had leverage of 20% of the grid. I can't see Red Bull giving up Alpha Tauri. But would they? Think about the Haas relationship with Ferrari, for example. It would essentially be new money, naming right, but retaining all the advantages of having a team that you could collect all that data from. Mm, very exciting. I wouldn't mind seeing a bit. I'm, a, I'm an america file. I think that's a thing, isn't it? I like America. I like the way you guys do things. I like a little bit of pizzazz. I like a little bit of brushing off the the kind of British stiff upper lip where we say like, oh, you must never show visible signs of joy or you must only like things ironically. No, I don't like that. I like fireworks. I like sparks. And I like, I like, I'm very positive about the FIA at the moment. And I'm, I'm actually very positive about, you know, Dominicali. I'm positive about this new direction that we're, we're talking about as well. And, you know, it's not just a bias that they'll be embracing digital media and that's the space that we exist in, Matt. But I just feel like it's going in the right direction. It feels like a real big key change and the biggest one we've seen since I've been watching F1. But enough, enough of this business, enough about money. F1 lost some money, but they're big boys. That's fine. They'll be able to absorb it. What was really exciting, Chris, from a PR point of view and from the point of view of fans like me who were like, yay, fast cars go vroom, is that we saw... A bunch of cars on track. Um, where should we start? Where should we start? What well, most excitingly for me, obviously, we saw Sergio Perez getting into what turned out to be a two-year-old Red Bull and then a one-year-old Red Bull because Red Bull are being proper 
what we would have called when I back when I was a street rat, we would have called it they're being on top. They're being right on top. They are being sus. They are hiding something, Chris. I want to know what it is and I want to know where it is, but I think it's near the rear. I think it's to do with the suspension and I think it's all diffusery. And whenever Red Bull start being all secret about diffusers, everyone else should worry. Yeah, it's not uncommon for teams to hide things in their digital images when they release a new car or even if they, you know, put the car on a plinth and uh, do a team launch from there. That's not <laughs> the new car, believe it or not. And um, so when they actually go out and do a shakedown, it's very hard to try and hide what they're trying to do. But they kept it fully private event and they say, nope, we're only going to release images of this and this and the new car totally unseen still so big question marks as to what is going on uh it's really interesting to get Sergio Perez's initial feedback from it was, driving some wasn't it? some Red Bull cars because I think one of the first things he said is I can totally understand why there are some drivers who do not get this car actually Tony since you're on a live show now and we're not just specifically talking about your TikTok content I will press you. Chris is very neutral because he used to be a journalist and he thinks he still is one. So he still won't be like, oh, I'm a fan of Kimi Raikkonen or whatever. Do do you have any kind of like allegiance to a, a driver or a team? Do you fan over them? It's an interesting one. It's actually one of the things why I like F1 as a sport because you you can actually enjoy the whole sport without being a fan of one specific driver or one team. I am at, yeah, boo, exactly. Uh, there's a, there's very few things I'm extremely opinionated about. And the those that, the few things that I am um, aren't <laughs> with regards to F1. So there you go. Um, specifically, I'm actually really excited for Alpha Tori duo. I don't know why yet, um, but I think those two could actually bring something really, really interesting. Um, Chris? I, I think we all know why. It's because they're already, you know, race winners from last season. They are picking up the Red Bull pieces from last year in addition to their development toco- tokens, cheating the system a little bit. They're going to be key players in the midfield battle and with such an exciting lineup. I mean, Yuki That's Tsunoda, it. for people who didn't watch F2, go and find some clips on social media. He was so exciting in his rookie campaign. Yeah. And you're right oh, with yeah. the Pierre Gasly. I think as a, as someone who was born in France, seeing the French crowd absolutely go wild last year yes. with Pierre Gasly was just something that was heartwarming to see, especially for him. Um, but no, I like the McLaren. Um, I'm excited for McLaren to get back on top a little bit as well. Um, but I just love looking at the sport as a holistic sport. Um, I'll back the winner, basically. No, That's what I'm I saying. think you've, <laughs> you've given it away. You grew up in France, correct? I born in France, grew up in Belgium, near Spa Francorchamps. So actually, it's the only race that I know well. And it's the only race that I've actually ever been to, which okay. is Spa. Well, there you go, listeners. Not a bad you, one. Can, you can believe Tony about her being neutral if you like, or you can, like me, detect the subtle undertone of of Gasly bias. I'm just gonna. That's my head just cannon. Put it out there. That's my narrative that I'm that I'm building, Chris. I think I don't know if I've said it on the show yet, but I've definitely said in the WhatsApp chat. I have an allegiance to Nicholas Latifi now because I worked with him uh, a couple of years <laughs> ago and uh, did a little bit of work with him uh, last year as well so he's all right in my books i love how you're like he's all right that's the british that's the british <laughs> way of saying i'm back he's all right but something that you said there was already interesting like the fact that you've worked with him you now have an allegiance with him and again i go back to that that's what american sports do really well and what f1 have been struggling with is how do you have allegiance to drivers who just go around the track with a helmet on like how do we get to know these drivers a little bit more so i actually love that, that you're just like i have an allegiance to someone because i work closely with them and i get 
get a feeling and for that's that as enthusiastic as you could possibly get about latifi <laughs> chris that says a lot uh trumpet sorry you were trying to get in my friend well i was it's it's the conversation has moved on i was just going to mention that that you are correct about alphatari they have spent their development tokens on the nose and have extensively reworked the front and it is because they're taking advantage of red bull's development and skipping the need to have extra credits extra tokens to use those uh, breakthroughs this is something we are seeing aston martin do as well and this is an advantage for your midfield teams because they can sort of piggyback on the teams that are developing the parts uh, for them in a way that you couldn't if you were developing on the moon, you'd have to pick those two areas and spend those tokens and then you're done. If you consider that McLaren are I don't they're compromised this year because of the introduction of the Mercedes engine, the rear end of that car is going to be a little unrefined. I think it's going to be tough for them to maintain that top step in the the midfield championship. So we're really looking at AlphaTauri and Aston Martin, I think, for the for the top honours in the midfield this year, especially when teams like Alfa Romeo, Haas, Williams really aren't going to be developing their car throughout the season. Really? No Alpine in there with Fernando Alonso and Ocon? Really? Biggest question mark I have over, <laughs> over this season, honestly. Wow. Well, hang on. We'll get to Alpine in a bit. I, I like the enthusiasm that, that Tony has drummed up for AlphaTauri there. I, I have a... In fact, if I look in the chat room here, very busy chat room today, very hard to keep track of the comments, but everybody is quite positive about Sonoda. Cosmos says uh, Sonoda will do Gasly. There's quite a few uh, positive comments there. Sonoda will start slow, says Patrick, uh, but will be beating Gasly by the end of the year. I mean, that's I would say that is a massive shout for a rookie when Pierre Gasly is a race winner. He has been very, very good. It wasn't just that race win, by the way. Every time we saw him on track, he was aggressively hustling that car out of position, it felt like. And certainly like Kvyat's no mug either, but it felt like Gasly was was the threat from uh, from Alpha Tauri last year. Um, but the positivity about Sonoda is great because from an international point of view, you know, we've been missing a, a good Japanese driver as well. And Tony, as, as much as I was, I was joking about your you know, the French bias I'm putting on you, uh, for, for an F1 fan base, we do want Southeast Asian drive, uh, drivers so that we can have yeah. Southeast Asian fans being enthusiastic about F1 again. And isn't it that we've had a few Japanese F1 drivers, but none have ever won the championship? Is that correct? There's definitely no championship. It might be worse than that. I think it might be, there's a very poor podium record as well, Chris. Is there... A guy, I can't even imagine the pressure on him. Only three Japanese podium sitters, I think. Yeah, I couldn't name a Japanese Grand Prix winner, mm. probably because there isn't one. But off the top of my head, I don't think there is. <laughs> we we stand to be corrected on that. But certainly there's, there's a lot of enthusiasm. And, and post-show last week, Matt and I were talking about how there might be actually a physical advantage as well. He can put his ballast where he wants. He's probably the smallest F1 driver we've had in recent history as well. I think it's worth saying as well, the, the reason we're so excited about him is um, because of his incredible performances in, in Formula 2, which came about of his incredible work ethic. And when you consider that he'd only been, it was either last year was his first year racing in Europe and he had one year of European racing under his belt when he came into F2. Either way, yeah. you know, he, he arrived in F2 still not speaking English properly and still managed to win F2 races and, and do things amazingly. Tony? 
I was going to agree with that. The size thing is interesting as well. Just if I put at it from a female lens perspective, it's just interesting. It's one of the things why I've always been baffled why there are no more women drivers in F1, because actually it's a sport that does well for our size. We're small, petite. Um, and so it's just interesting when I was thinking about Chris saying I can't name any winners. Like you ask people around who are the five women who ever got into F1. Very few people know the names. What's the only woman that ever got an F1 point in the whole of history? Very few people know their names. Name a couple of W Series drivers that aren't. Chadwick, no one can name. So it's just interesting there. What that like seeing people on track that you wanna that you wanna support and that you wanna root for is is deeply personal in those aspects of seeing representation. Okay, I'm getting corrected by Rob, who's saying that Japan is Northeast Asia. Okay, I will apologize if I'm technically incorrect there. Uh, I'm half Southeast Asian as well. So I just think of Southeast Asia as everything kind of like, you know, uh, hang on, everything right of India. I just go, ah, that's Southeast Asia. That's, uh, that's Southeast Asia. That's where, that's where my people are at. Chris? It is worth saying that Japan is a massive motorsport country. Sure. When you consider Toyota <laughs> in the World Endurance Championship, also fielding two Japanese drivers, Kamui Kobayashi and... Um, uh, oh man, I can't believe he's just slipped off the my tongue. Uh, Kazuki Nakajima, that's the one. Need an extra second there. Uh, but also things like Super Formula and Super GT, massive, massive series. And you know, Super Formula is kind of like a local F2. Um, it's it's a very big championship and, and very popular and very highly regarded. And uh, the fact that Japan's really only current connection to F1 is the Grand Prix and Honda, who are pulling out, it's a little surprising. No, you're looking well, at a world map to see how wrong you were earlier. Uh, Matt? Well, I, I just wanted to... Well, I have two things. One is a theory about women in motorsports, and that goes back to a comment Janet Guthrie made. But I'm going to ignore that because it's long and you would get bored and fall asleep. Agreed. I will spare you my theory and just say that I think it comes down ultimately to sponsors not being willing to bet on something different 100%. at an early age, even though the payoff would be much greater were they to succeed with it and i in regarding size you are absolutely right and also i believe regarding reaction time if my memory of old studies of um what we call soccer over here sticks with but what is what is really funny about size is is that is it daniel ricardo barely fits into his mclaren now they've narrowed it so much in the middle his hips like he has a hard time actually physically whoa, getting whoa, into whoa, whoa, whoa. the vehicle now i'm not doing a pity party for tall drivers all right when i play basketball no one gives me a lower hoop so if there's tall tall drivers oh i can't fit in the cockpit suck it up buttercup right that's the sport you chose uh but um i mean would you echo that tony because uh, matt me, me and matt have had many many arguments and discussions about this you know i i've got a little daughter who i want to get into motorsport and and racing as well and i I don't know if I'm going about it the right way, but I tend to like just point her at the telly when there's any good role model there or W series. I'm just look now come karting with us. No, I think Matt is is spot on there. And I do think it's a fast it's like it's the paradox of if the first team that would take a chance on a female F1 driver, it's a huge opportunity 
But as and I, but I don't think that's going to come anytime soon post COVID-19 with the losses. Money is a huge issue right now. Um, so to your point, like it's hard to bet on something that you have never proven the outcome before. But I think every woman is sort of standing by going, come on, find someone. But it's also just not a question of finding anyone. Like we, we want the right person to get mm-hmm. there. But it's always the, the paradox of how much do you support? How much do you help? Which is why I like the W Series. Um, and I'm excited, actually, how they're going to be on a couple of F1 Yes. race weekends too which is exciting yeah i mean and i'll stop banging on about w series we are going to cover that in a separate podcast as well but it's just about isn't it the only single seater car series where all the drivers none of them have paid a penny to get in there like that is as big a meritocracy as you would want and instead of criticizing it we should probably be looking at that as a a role model and and a and a template chris that to say well look look at what w series did we can do that with working class kids as well. We can do that with mm. all sorts of, of of areas and demographics. It's definitely what the sport needed at, at the time. And uh, I think we're all hoping for the time when something like W Series isn't needed. Um, I just wanted to give a, a shout while we're on the topic of women in motorsport. Another um, great thing you should look at is the Richard Mill Racing Team in uh, the World Endurance Championship and European Le Mans Series, all female uh, lineup with some familiar names you might uh, know, like Sophia Flush and um, uh, Tatiana Calderon and uh, third driver. They've sort of swapped around a little bit. Bieski Visser was involved in that until she smashed her legs up um, during last season. But there's been, uh, it, it's and it's a really you know great team, very popular team, I think as well. If you're interested in that, go check it out. Right. Well, and I'm just going to point out that as lovely as that is, it's not a new thing. 1966, 24 Hours of Daytona had two teams of women. The um, what is the Ring Free the the Ring Free Oil Maidens they were named, and I think sponsored by Autosport. But there is a long history, especially in endurance racing, of women participating. All right, I don't want to get derailed too far because the subject if you remembered, was uh, car launches. And I was talking about Perez, and then you big ruiners took it to Alpha Tauri, and you took it to technical like nose changes, development, partnerships, and then, and then, and then W Series. So no, I want to I talk about Red Bull. I want to talk about the Perez comments that Chris alluded to. So this was everywhere. I found it on motorsport.com. Uh, but he said, I, I can see why not every... In fact, he said, I think it's obvious that it's a car that not every driver can adapt to. I can already spot that in terms of the timing that I need uh, to know exactly where to set up the car and where I can take the final tenths out of it. Now, someone goaded me in our Patreon Slack group, patreon.com forward slash Mr. Apex. You're the reason why we survive and thrive. Goaded me by saying, oh, Perez is getting his excuses in early. I said, no. I said, no, it's the opposite of that. He's telling you that he knows where to make the final tenths, Matt. If he knows, if he thinks he's cracked the code of why other drivers have struggled in that second seat, then whoopa, we're in for some Perez joy. Well, let's remember, he's not driving that car either. This will probably have come from his, uh, sim, uh, from his sim time. And he's basically saying, oh, yeah, it was a pretty undrivable car. I can understand why Alvin never had any success with it. But thankfully, I have a new and better car. And one that I think I can set up to be reasonably fast. And that's how I decode that remark. Oh, and he's so he's basically setting himself up to be a ledge, even if he can, if he's driven the old cars and gone, oh, man, that is horrible. That is like a pointy nightmare that no one could drive. But I know that the RB16, that's a new one, isn't it? 16B. Yeah. 
I know that the 16B is going to suit me and it's going to be wicked, so I'll set myself up to look like a legend. Chris, that's some great PR. It, uh, well, yeah, really, really um, good. Of course, let's not um, forget that Red Bull were having a ton of uh, wind tunnel correlation issues last season as well. So remember when Max Verstappen was uh, spinning a lot in preseason testing and they sort of shrugged it off and uh, they're like, oh, no, there's actually something wrong here when the season got going. If they've sorted that out, they can start to fix the drivability of the car. Mm, so there was a few theories before before Perez made these comments, it's one of the big mysteries of F1, really. Why were the second drivers struggling so much? So I guess there's a, there's a few standing theories. A, all these young drivers were just struggling in their limelight. Is A couple of drivers came in, they had their shot, and they blew it. Or there's something inherently undrivable that only Max can drive. Or Red Bull is a Max Verstappen team, Chris, and that is why... That is why they've struggled, because they simply throw the resources at Max Verstappen and develop it for him. Or Max Verstappen is just really good and can make people look ordinary. Yes. Yes. Oh, the second one. The last one. 100%. It's Verstappen is amazing. Uh, I I even think that in a proper head-to-head bout with Lewis Hamilton... Wait Could a be minute. A changing of the guards. Wait, there. yeah. Well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Lewis Hamilton's like pretty old. He's like way closer well, to my age than your age. So, which Lewis Hamilton? Well, this is the thing because the next generation is always going to be better than the one that came before it in terms of sport mm-hmm. because the yes. preparation just gets so much better. They arrive better than they ever could. So, that's why I think that partially it goes back to that conversation we always have about how Lance Stroll was a better driver than Jackie Stewart. Right. So let's have a discussion. Okay. Do we remember Sebastian Vettel at Red Bull? Yes, sir. Do we remember the exhaust blown diffuser? Do we remember how it had to be driven counterintuitively? Only and in how my Vettel nightmares. was so much yeah. faster than yeah. Weber until they changed the tires and that diffuser didn't work and suddenly Weber was fast again? Mm-hmm. I'm going to posit that what Red Bull has done here is the same kind of thing. They have found in Verstappen a driver who can take this car, which has speed in it, the potential to beat anyone in it, and he is the only person who can drive it counterintuitively and extract that speed from it. And everything else is about trying to make the car work well enough for the second driver. Okay, so if you have a particularly hard car to drive, as Red Bull seem to have a penchant for doing, and it's hard because it's zoned in to a particular driver or they found a driver that can do a particular thing, then that does make it the absolute worst place to put a, a talented, raw driver like Gasly in his third season or uh well hang on a minute Albon in his first season he got put in there as well I mean I don't know Tony it just it seems like it just seems like it was like a perfect storm and it's a little from column a little from column b and it's a shame if we write if Albon has lost his chance completely uh but certainly Gasly has shown at Alpha Tower he's 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 pretty good I definitely read Sergio Perez's comment as, oh, you're smart. Um, you've seen that it's difficult. You're saying to everyone it's difficult. And it's a kind of a, just you wait and see till I get into the car. I'm excited for that duo on track. The thing that I'm most excited about hearing his comment, it brought me back to listening to Bono coach, um, 
by George Russell when he was in the Mercedes of just understanding how different all of these cars are and that level of adaptability. And just it was brilliant watching that adaptability happen on track. And I'm excited to hear more about the drivers talking about how the cars are so different mm. and that moment of getting used to the car. And to your point, if it's being counterintuitive, that's even more exceptional. Why didn't Bono teach George Russell how to win a race with three tyres? Lewis Hamilton won with three wheels. George Russell, he got a punch here. He had to pit and lost the race. Checkmate, haters. Stevens. I think Verstappen has the same quality as Lewis Hamilton in that he can make incredibly talented racing drivers look amateurish. Mm. Valtteri Bottas is no schmuck. All right? You put him in a racing car and he will drive the wheels off the thing. If Lewis Hamilton wasn't in that team, Bottas would probably be a three-time world champion by now. Or, or at least we'd have a very, very good title scrap. It's just that people like Hamilton and Verstappen are on another level. What Perez has got to then contend with mm. is it's going to take him some time to get established within that team and to actually get the best out of the people working on his car. Like you say, you know, George wasn't, well, in the end, he was quicker than, than Bottas, but it's about actually integrating with the team properly, especially on a long-term basis. That takes time. So based on Alvin's experience last year by race three, if he's not essentially beating Max, he's a failure and they should get rid of him? No, definitely not somehow. Hang on, give me a second to formulate why. Tony, help me. I was going to say that what Checo brings to the team that Albon didn't is that aggressive driving that Max Verstappen has. And I don't mean aggressive in a negative term, but he has that passion for aggressive driving that I think Albon maybe has a little less of. Mm, That's okay. my two Well, cents. yeah, I mean, aggression means different things, of course. Yes. Uh, and you can be like aggression and focused to the task. I, I think Perez has a proven track record of being focused. However, as a Perez fan, one of my biggest criticisms has been a lack of lap one aggression like he he seems like me on iRacing or on go-karts where i'm just like just get to the end of lap one find your place in the chain and let's see where we get on that's been my biggest kind of uh you know uh, criticism of of perez but we've seen him mid-race when it comes wheel to wheel and he's more settled he can be aggressive and with alburn whilst whilst we don't see that aggression kind of in qualifying very much when it comes to the race he's almost overcompensated sometimes and then and then thrown himself into very difficult situations, particularly around, you know, Lewis Hamilton, Brazil and the, the other coming together that they had, which I can't remember where it was now. Uh, Matt. Austria. Austria. No, Matt, I, yeah. I, my point is I hear Chris here absolutely 100 percent saying, no, you should really give press time to bet into the team. I don't disagree with that, but I feel like if you go back and look at the media and the stories they were writing last year, they were on album from about race two or three saying that he was not measuring up and he never was able to overcome that. And whether he will tell you it didn't matter to him, but I'm not sure that's the case. Wait a minute. They were saying he didn't measure up because he didn't measure up. And no matter how early they did it and how wrong that might have been, we got to the end of the season and that situation did not improve. It did. He got closer. From a, oh, it was a, that, it, that's a low bar that you set and... I don't know, Chris. Call me, call me mad. I don't think if he'd have started where he finished, mm. I, I still don't think. I think he still would have been criticised for being a ways off. He got closer, but not close enough. And I think Perez also brings just raw experience. Mm. He's been in Formula One for a very long time. Very good in races. His race pace is phenomenal, as we all know. 
that's where people like Gasly and Albon really struggled to keep up with with Max more than qualifying. So I think we could see a, a more equal bout between the two drivers. You mean his ability to manage tires in a race? It's not just that, though, is it? Because even in races that aren't defined by tire wear, he's on fire. All no. races are defined by tire oh, wear. Here we go. Why did you say that, Chris? You just do you know what I mean? Like, oh, Matt, here's my here's my here's my butt. Come whip it. You may as well have just said that, right? It is a superpower, and we've seen him do it with a couple of teams now. And in this Pirelli era, it is reasonable to suspect that he'll bring that element and that tactical element, which I believe that the Max Verstappen-led Red Bull team will use to their advantage. So expect Sergio Perez's ability to make a stint go longer, Chris, to be used to help Max Verstappen, I'd imagine. Stuart Neal in the chat room has reminded me of something um, that I thought about a long time ago and haven't haven't thought of since, since. Albon got screwed over by Hamilton at the first race and he never recovered. Remember Albon nearly won the first race of last season? Imagine mm. if he'd have won that season. If, it, <laughs> sorry, if he'd have won that race, how mm. much of a different season would he have had uh, after that? I still don't think it would have been, you know, Verstappen level. It's quite odd. Like Lewis Hamilton, who is generally like since 20, since 2009, where he just decided like some kind of weird campaign against Massa, where they just like hit each other constantly. Since then, you would say that he's one of the cleaner racers on track. Yet he seems to have just really zoned in on Albon, whether he's got kind of a nervous tick around him whenever he sees Albon now. Uh, yeah. So like, yeah. So did Lewis have, has, has there been something in the past we've missed? Like did, uh, has Albon got a competing, you know, musical track out and, uh, and Hamilton sought to destroy him or something like that? Time will tell. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Did we cover Alpine? No, we didn't. Should we talk some Alpine? There hasn't been a launch yet, has there, Matt? But uh, our favourite livery designer, Sean Bull, has teased that it's going to look dead pretty. We, we haven't seen it yet, have we? I haven't just missed it. We've seen their, what they call, winter livery. Oh, but that no. won't be their season livery, which we're thinking will be that classic Alpine blue with who knows what layered on top of it. But the interesting news that has bounced this week is that our 
friend and former world champion Fernando Alonso will not be at said launch of said car for reasons that are defined as, um, and I don't know, was this what I was going to read? I was going to read this to Chris and get his PR expert. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's focus in on Chris then. Here we go. Here's Chris's face. Let's examine his reaction. We regret to confirm that Fernando Alonso will not be present for the media Q&A on this occasion, the team stated. The sanitary situation and corresponding regulations in place do not allow him to do any communications and marketing activities while he undertakes his critical season preparation. We will instead publish a Q&A with Fernando for media use, and he will be available for media in Bahrain for official preseason, preseason testing. So does that basically mean he can't talk out loud with his mouth? I think it would hurt a lot to do a day of media with the injury that he just sustained. Uh, it, I don't think Fernando likes media events in general. So to do one while he's got a, a very painful, I imagine, injury from his uh, cycling incident, I can really forgive them for not bringing him to... Uh, the the actual launch mm. day and kudos to you know to them for trying to find a solution because they know all the media are there to talk to Fernando. Tony, someone who's just had two mouth surgeries, I can get. I flinched and nearly vomited at the thought of him putting on a helmet mm. in two to three weeks. So I I'm completely with Chris on that. I also think Fernando Alonso is probably thinking this is great. If I don't need to do media right now, I'm all for it. But yes, I agree. I don't think there's anything more to look into it in that he is probably in full recovery and his jaw is going to be. You've had two not- mouth surgeries. Yeah, it's great when you do podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, not only are you a That's professional yeah. podcaster, yeah. but also like with your TikTok channel and stuff. But the- that's the incredible thing is the body is just, it heals. And when it does, it is pretty spectacular. Uh, my second one was two weeks ago and first four days I couldn't talk, couldn't do anything. And now I'm, I've got a little bit of a lisp now, which is quite interesting, um, which should disappear. I'm just getting used to it. I'm just rocking a lisp now. Um, it's great. Um, but I actually flinched at the idea of someone putting on a helmet after you've just had any kind of mouth, dental, jaw surgery. Well, while we're talking about your podcast, why don't we direct our Missed Apex people to them? It's called it's called Not an, Another Podcast or Not Another Podcast. What's it called? Oh, <laughs> it's a great name for a podcast. Um, it's just called Another Podcast. Another That's my podcast. Tech. Okay. That's my, another podcast. That's just my um, mm. tech and society um, podcast. Um, and then I've got another one called Unapologetic Women. Which, oh, you know, okay. Is, which is your is favorite is. out of those two? Oh, you can't make me choose. That's yep. like taking me. To, yeah, I've, I've got. I'm, I'm uh, happy to say the girl's my favorite of my two kids. So how can't? Why can't you choose between a podcast? Because they're very different. Um, <laughs> um, I need them for different things. Uh, one is focused on tech, women, society, and the other one is focused on. Is also focused on tech and society without the women aspect. Excellent. If you want to catch either of those podcasts or check out what Tony does on TikTok, go to the show notes below, and there will be a link to all of those fine shows. Uh, So on YouTube, it's just below you. If you're on Apple, I think you scroll up in your podcast player. Uh, And if you're on like Dogcatcher or Pocket Cast, you scroll left or right. Just, 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 Just glom around on your on your little app thing until you find the notes. We've got all the links there where you can find anything we talk about on the show. We're getting better at that. And by getting better at that, I mean Matt Matt does it now. I'm I'm still terrible at it. But you will find links to support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex, and you will find a link 
to share with your friends. We would love you to get out there and just post it on your social media. If you've got one listener, if you well, listener, if you've got one follower, two followers, whatever, just it's sharing it with the people who have followed you and said, "Hey, I like what you're doing." If you like Miss Apex, share that with your friends. We'd really appreciate that. We are making a a big push to capturing the new F1 fans that might want to get enthused about F1 this season. And we are, in fact, throwing money at it this time. We're spending actual money. We have learned about actual marketing from experts within our Patreon Slack community. And we've done our best to do what the big boys do, obviously on a much, much smaller scale, of course. Um, But we have actually, like, you know, researched how to put ads in certain places and try and target F1 audiences as well. Um, so if you want to help us with that, you're, you're more than welcome because we have a tip jar. And anything that goes in our tip jar, mistapexpodcast.com forward slash tip jar, goes directly towards growing the project. Uh, Tony. I was actually going to say the content creation space or creators economy space is fascinating because tipping is becoming the new norm, which I actually love this idea of tipping creators. But the question I had for actually all of you just listening to like reaching new F1 audiences, what's the two or one thing that a new F1 needs fan needs to absolutely know when they sit down to watch a race? Like I've, I've been asked that and I, I'm having a hard time of you're an F1 fan. You might have watched Drive to Survive. You sit down to watch a race. What's the one or two things that you've got to tell them? That's a I'd really that. great question. Matt first, then Chris. It's all about the tires. Right. Okay. I regret that. Chris. Uh, it lasts longer than you think it will. Uh, no. See, I, my, my one thing that I would want them to know <laughs> is don't expect fireworks every time. You've watched Drive to Survive. It's honed in on the most exciting moments. And that is great. That is fantastic. You do need that. And highlights reels are great and YouTube videos are great. I would want to tell new F1 fans, Chris, to get a cup of tea or a coffee or, or, let's be honest, a long drink, a nice Long Island iced tea or a pint of lager, nice and cold. Sit down, relax, and just absorb the atmosphere. For me, it's having the TV up to a level that will annoy your neighbours just have the tone of the commentators, the crowd, whenever we get crowds back, the engine sounds. Obviously, the start is exciting. Then it settles down in, and try and absorb the strategy. Here's one. Get the live timing. F1, uh, mm. Yeah, definitely have the live timing. Don't, mm, Chris, you're wrong. Get the live timing in front wrong. of you because you can watch battles develop and you can see, oh my, why is that gap closer? I regret this question already. <laughs> no. You could, do you know what you do? You know where you should watch the battles develop on the screen rather than on a timing tower. But but, but the TV is not going to just zone in on somebody who's just chewing two seconds out of the car in front. Matt, please tell these two why they're wrong. Okay, so if you reach a certain point in watching Formula One, there is nothing better than having access to live timing because you can see more happening than you will see on the television Mm. screen and you can see it happen sooner Mm. but if i'm going to give a serious response that's not about tires because my response about tires was entirely serious what i would say is probably two things most people get confused about one is soft medium and hard tires like people have a lot of questions about that and and sort of how that works but understanding the undercut and the overcut in terms Mm. and the pit stop window would be the number one thing that would improve your appreciation of the race the pit stop is the one i often give like there's so much action around the pit stop and the strategy of the pit stop um it's interesting if if i were to give a serious answer uh as well (laughs) 
I would second Spanners <laughs> in saying uh, that it's not all, you know, not every second of it is going to be bam, 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 bam. You know, you've you've seen a six minute race highlight. That's not what a 90 minute Grand Prix uh, looks mm. like. Uh, try to enjoy and appreciate the pantomime that is motorsport in general with the noise and the people and the color and the the super speed and the the glamour as it is often portrayed on tv but it's not at all what it is like in real life um and also really listen to the commentators and the presenters because they're the ones who are going to teach you more about the thing you're trying to enjoy and watch the, the practice sessions you don't i'm and, not saying uh, have... listen to podcasts like yeah, this definitely one. listen to podcasts but for example, when the practice sessions are are going on, I will have some commentary on in the background, whether it be the Sky TV commentary. Uh, but if I can't get my eyes on it and I'm not sit, sitting looking at it, I do tune into the BBC Five Live and listen to Jack and Jolian and Jenny uh, give the BBC uh, a rundown and commentary of the practice. Because when not a lot is happening, that is effectively a long live impromptu podcast uh, of F1 as well. And you will pick up a lot of information about the race you are about to watch. And patrons of Miss Apex podcast can tune into me and Matt doing our Friday live stream where we put across a lot of like, uh, in a very casual way, what we think might transpire over the weekend. See, veteran viewers like us might bemoan those moments where, oh God, they're explaining the tyres. No, not at all. all. Well, some some people Mm. do. I've seen it. And you, you've got to remember, there are new people tuning into Formula One every day who don't know these things. It's absolutely fine. Don't let people on social media as well, because people on social media are just horrible, um, to say, oh, you're not an F1 fan if you don't know this. Everyone's got to start somewhere. Exactly. And this, of all things, and and you know that I've spent a lot of time reading about technical details and trying to have a very deep understanding of the sport. I never complain when they re-explain anything because anyone who takes that attitude, in my opinion, it's just another form of gatekeeping and I don't like it. When we did e-radio show, 50% of that show was explaining Formula E to yeah, people. Mostly Partly to because me. It was an, yeah, it was an ever-growing yeah. audience constantly, like mm. chunks every uh, race. Um, but also because motorsport, a lot of it, Anyway, it's kind of inherently complicated once you start, once you get beyond the thing of it's whoever crosses the line first, you're like, okay, I appreciate that. And then you go, why is that happening? And like, oh, well, because of the, blah, 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 blah. you got to start to learn some rules. Okay. I love that, Chris. I've got, a, if I may, I've got, there's a, there's a quote that I always love that says, great thinkers don't boast about how much they know. They marvel about how little they understand. And I think that's so true for F1. If you can marvel about how little you understand about the sport, because everything is changing and ongoing and evolving, you enjoy the sport that much more um, instead of boasting about how much you know about the sport. I will very happily sit down and explain anything about motorsport to anyone. If I can help, I'm very happy to, because it means other people are going to appreciate something that I love and is my life. And if you if you want to get your so, questions answered by Chris, uh, just go to his home address, 14 Acacia Avenue, Watford. Do you know what? Seriously, tweet me at Chris on Racing if you have any questions. No, I don't no, care no, how don't do dumb that. It is. Don't do that. Go to <laughs> Tony Cohen Brown's TikTok channel where that is exactly. I'll take Chris with me. That, oh, that there we go. Yeah. There we go. So you're finally going to be on TikTok. The thing, Chris, is the the best questions I have gotten are questions I had to go back and research for a couple of hours because I was like, I actually have no freaking idea what the answer to this is. 
I had a uh, a kind of bizarre moment this weekend. Anyone who watched the Formula E will have saw uh, one of the Mercedes-powered cars had a brake failure and uh, slam into a barrier, and the driver Eduardo Matara was hospitalised um, because of it. And I suddenly it suddenly dawned on me: is there actually a mechanical connection still to the brakes in not only an electric car but even in the hybrid cars that we see in WEC and in Formula One? I, it suddenly dawned on me that I didn't remember that anymore. I'm not sure either, but I'm pretty sure it's brake by wire, which means no. But then is there still a connection to the front brakes? See? There we go. That's I, a stomper. Do they have motors on the front brakes? If they don't, then I would say possibly. Not in Formula E, but in Formula 1. Before on we hybrid. get too far derailed, I do definitely want to talk about uh, talk about Ferrari as well. Um, and there's one more subject, that I de- and Albert Park too. But before, I just want to take 45 seconds of your time as part of our media push that I was talking about earlier where we're promoting ourselves, I reached out to podcasters that I admire. Because first and foremost, I'm a podcaster. I love the podcast medium. I'm a podcast fan and I believe it has a place in media. So I reached out to the guys that I've just been fans of for the longest time and just said, hey, would you like to do some cross promotion? And I, I reached out to my absolute podcast hero, Scott Johnson of the Frog Pants Network. And to my absolute delight, he agreed to do some cross-promotion with me, and he's going to be plugging Missed Apex Podcast to his audience and putting a link in the show notes. So I just want to take a second to tell you to go and tune in to the morning stream and to FilmSack, part of the Frog Pants Podcast Network. The link is in the in the show notes that we discussed earlier. Scott Johnson is the reason why there is Missed Apex Podcast in this form and the reason why probably a lot of my my career exists. So let me tell you about the morning stream because the morning stream is everything that I want our other podcasts remain indoors to be. Him and Brian cover interesting and weird news from around the world with a revolving panel of interesting guests talking about their passions. He has a live chat room. He runs a bunch of live events and he has an amazing community of listeners and lots of things for listeners to get involved in does that sound familiar it does doesn't it because everything i have done with spanners ready media has been modeled on my hero scott johnson and i'm delighted to have the opportunity to plug him and give him the credit he deserves for my life basically he is an absolute podcast legend and you need to have his shows in your podcast player so look in the show notes look for frog pants network in there and tune into the morning stream it's four times a week you will not regret it i promise right ferrari matt ferrari me give me the good ferrari stuff inject it into my veins because mika salo did i get it right this time mika salo sure why not no come on don't because i start i keep saying sato don't i mika salo i got it right this time he said, I just thought you meant the pronunciation. Sorry. He said that the secret FIA punishment for Ferrari was that they had to use less fuel for 2020. Mystery solved. Moving on. I guess that's it. That's the end of the topic. No. I think the end of the topic is his response was because they were potentially able to use more fuel last season because of the whole anti aliasing thing they were doing with the various flow meters. Did you say they were cheating? Matt, be careful. No. It sounds like you just said they were definitely cheating. I said anti-aliasing thing. 
All it right. was not cheating because it didn't violate the regulation. All right. I was just check- checking that you didn't because say. Because the regulations I... about fuel flow yeah. mean, the, mean the readings are taken from the meters and the meters don't read it, then it doesn't exist. Now, does it? Fair enough. I just wanted to be very clear that you were not saying Ferrari definitely cheated in 2019. I'm just checking that you... I would never say that because I'm pretty sure our lawyers would tell us okay. never to say that. Okay, so we can't say Ferrari were definitely cheating in 2019. We've established that. 100%. But w- that is not a thing we can say. Okay, so clarify. What, what was Mika Salo talking about? What he meant was everyone's understanding of what happened last year was that Ferrari were able to, we'll use the word skirt for legal <clears throat> purposes, the fuel flow, which is limited to, was it 100 uh, kilograms, 110, whatever it is, they were able to skirt that for very short periods of time and that the change, the deal they agreed with the FIA meant that they could no longer use that fuel. So no, it wasn't the FIA said your fuel flow is now turned down to 90 for the race. It was just that they weren't able to use fuel in the same way and that disadvantaged them because the rest of the engine had not been adapted along with the fuels, had not been adapted for their new reality. And that's something that is expected to change. And in fact, they have commented on both um, Alfa Romeo and Ferrari have said that they expect the straight line speed of the car to not be the same kind of issue this year that it was last year. So over the winter, they've been able to improve the powertrain to try and recover some of that straight line speed, but also within the aerodynamics. It's a very draggy car last year, so they've worked on making it more efficient in a straight line. Now, we've talked before about Ferrari's balance of drag versus downforce. They're not necessarily mutually exclusive, uh, but we'll see how that ends up on track. Basically, however it is in the first few races, how it's going to be throughout the whole season, really, because you're not really allowed to develop uh, something like that in 2021. So... I think we we had a bit of an an in-depth chat with Stuart Mitchell of Race Car Engineer over WhatsApp, Matt, and we'll make sure we get him in for a proper explanation. But basically, the the standing theory, I think, amongst motorsport journalists is they were able to, much like Red Bull with the flexi tube in 2014 when the fuel flow first came in, uh, they were able to find a way to bypass the FIA fuel flow meter to and then pull that liquid, kind of like, save it up so be able to pull a lot of your allowance and then use that at a higher flow rate but once it had already bypassed the first sensor is the working theory i mean it's genius really because you know red bull did it and they got caught in the first race ferrari if this is true got away with it for for ages well red bull got caught because they physically altered the fuel flow meter ferrari only got caught because they just well they just got a little bit cocky about how far they could push the reality of what they were representing on track. If they'd been cleverer, they would still be doing it and no one would be the wiser. Chris. Uh, shout out Ferrari as well, doing Le Mans in 2023 as well. They're going to have big, big engine things there. I'd love to see Charles Leclerc doing a crossover between F1 and Le Mans. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the drivers. We'll talk about Albert Park, I think, in in the future as we get towards the the postponed date for the Australian Grand Prix. But it is it is interesting from a racing point of view. Let, let's finish up talking about those Ferrari drivers, Matt. Is that all right? Or are you, are you, you, you itching with some tech stuff? I'm not even tech stuff. Uh, what was funny to me 
was that Ferrari had this whole, our launches last week, but then they, it was their team launch. Mm. And I think it might have been Scarbs who quipped on Twitter that the only thing we really learned from the team launch is that Mattia Bonato had new glasses. <laughs> yes. Okay. But, but what we have learned is that they've once again reorganized their um, technical department, their chassis department in particular. Some people have moved around. And we've learned that Bonato will be attending even fewer races this year than last year with Lauren Meckes picking up the slack for him. What as well, we were talking about how Sergio Perez is going to take time to settle into Red Bull. Carlos Sainz is going to have the exact same thing down at Ferrari. In fact, the vast majority of the teams are going to be having the same thing because only Williams and Mercedes have the same driver lineup from last year. And if anything, that just gives Mercedes another advantage. We don't have to waste time getting both of our drivers up to speed with uh, with the with the new car and settling into the team. But certainly... Science has got a bit of a job on his hands to to get integrated into what is at the moment Leclerc's environment. I think it was a mistake. I think no. if I was Science's agent, I think this is. Am I nuts, Tony? Am I nuts? I think it was a mistake going to Ferrari at this point with Leclerc <sighs> on a billion year contract. I think it takes guts for sure to do what they did. Leclerc aside, Leclerc. Sorry, I I stopped. He's a French name. I'm going to pronounce it the French way. Leclerc aside, it is interesting. It takes guts to go into Ferrari. Of course. Knowing what they went through last oh, year. So I'm excited yeah. for that. But I think looking at the team launch, what was interesting to me is it definitely felt like a reset of it's about Ferrari. It's not about the drivers. It's Ferrari first, driver second. It's a reset from last year. Let's get, And I think they needed that. Um, I don't think it's a mistake from science. I don't... I. And look, what what the hell do I know? But I think if you are an F1 driver and you are given the opportunity to drive for Ferrari, you take it, full stop. Right, Matt, I know you disagree with me as well. And that is ferociously, that's why I deliberately went to Tony first. But go on, you I tell. Know. Go on. No, look, Leclerc, I, he's, that's, that's his Ferrari. He could have stayed at McLaren for two years, been the equal of Lando Norris, who's very well rated, have his stock rise, let Leclerc, Le, Leclerc, because Tony's here, let Leclerc fail at Ferrari. And look, it's it's um, the art of war. Never interrupt your enemy when they're making a mistake. Should have let Leclerc have those years with the dodgy Ferrari engine and then swooped in and been the saviour. I'm just going to say that I, I agree 100% with Tony. I think for signs, you could not say no to Ferrari because when was the last time Ferrari won a race? When was the last time McLaren won a race? Your odds are going to be better with Ferrari of winning a race, even with Leclerc as the lead driver. At the end of the day, he's going to be further up the field sooner with Ferrari. I don't think he is going to be the lead driver, though. I think Sainz and Leclerc could well be on equal footing, no. equal opportunity. No, Chris, no, because no. delusion is its no. youthful head. Ferrari need to utilize this thing they've never had they, before, they, which is two young drivers. I thought you were going to say the thing they've never done before is have two drivers on an equal footing. When when's no, no, the no. last time we ever saw Ferrari give two drivers an equal crack? It's never happened. The second but driver, but they've got to try it. They have to try it for, for these guys because there's every chance that Sainz will be as quick, if not quicker, than Leclerc. And Leclerc is incredibly highly 
uh, rated. Let's not forget as well, this deal was signed before the season properly started. So we didn't realise how bad Ferrari's car true. was for 2020. Okay, that's yet. true. That's fair. Tony? Um, I just saw in the comments someone say that Charles Leclerc is monégasque, not French. Agreed, but they still speak French in Monaco. So, so I just counts. like It's a French name, not a French nationality. I'm big on nationality, so thanks for picking up on that. Um, I'm just excited about that duo. I just think they're going to have to equally work hard at it. Um, I don't know. Go, Matt. What I, sorry, what I will say, the advantage Ferrari has is science has been to three different teams and in every team he's adapted quickly and done well. So yeah. I think if I'm Ferrari and I'm betting on a driver, science is probably going to come in faster than a lot of other drivers sure. they might have picked. Oh, from, from a Ferrari point of view. Signs is an excellent pick. Amazing. I'm talking from 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 a signs point of view. And I was his agent. I would look at like the entire history of Ferrari and go, son, you're going in there as a number two. Don't do it. Go and boss McLaren. Ferrari aren't winning a title in the next couple of seasons anyway. Mercedes are on the up. Become a legend. Become a podium scoring legend at McLaren and and raise your stock. Make people think. You know, you are you are a driver you can't ignore. I fear over the next two seasons at Ferrari, we're going to see signs defeated by Leclerc easily, comprehensively. It's Leclerc's team and signs his stock. Mark my words, exactly the same as Massa and Raikkonen when they were at Ferrari. Chris. But what if he fries? Oh, hang on. Sorry. Go on then, Tony. I was just going to say, but what if he fries? What if he fries? What if he fries and you're at Ferrari and you're at the top? There's just... Ferrari still, and I'm not a Ferrari fan, but Ferrari still holds that weight in F1. Matt first. Yeah, but where are, I mean, like, signs at Ferrari, like, okay, he's the second driver at Ferrari, but second driver at Ferrari is still going to be better than everyone else, but maybe second driver at Red Bull. I mean, hey, where, where hey. is he going to go? I'm going to go be first driver at Williams. Woo hoo. No, not at all. And sorry. You know, apologies to long-suffering Williams fans about that. I know your team wants to be better and you want them to be better. But the reality is budgets and places take a long time to switch. And Ferrari has the budget. They have the resources. Sainz is a very good driver. And, you know, it's a step up for him. Steve, can we edit in a trigger warning for Williams fans just before (laughs) Matt says that? And Matt's views are the views of Matt Trumpets and not Missed Apex Inc. Chris Stevens. So, Spanners, I think you're wrong because I think science is. <laughs> you think amazing. I'm wrong? What a, but, what a shocker! <laughs> but can we also appreciate the mouth-watering prospects that have been delivered as a result of science going to Ferrari? The fact that he's going to go toe to toe with the Clare, the fact that Ricardo is going to go toe to toe with Norris at McLaren, the fact that Sebastian Vettel is driving an Aston Martin all because of this move. It is great for F1. It's great drama. It's pantomime. It's what we love. It's going to be so fascinating to watch it unfold throughout the season. And the more I talk about it now, the more impatient I am going to be. I could not be more pumped for the 2021 season. Like it is upon us. And I hope that you will share that experience here with us at Missed Apex Podcast. Join us live in the live stream on YouTube or make sure you subscribe on your podcatcher of choice so that you know, you're know you not relying on me posting on the internet or on Twitter to remind you to listen. Go and subscribe to it. 
share the link that is in the show notes with your friends so that they can enjoy, enjoy it as well. You can support us at patreon.com forward slash Apex. If you want to give us some tools and some cash to drive forward where we're actually spending like money to say, hey, will you please say Missed Apex out loud on your thing? That is a thing we're doing. We're going to content creators and either offering a change of promo or saying, here's some money. Will you please tell people to come and, and speak to us? You can go to MissedApexPodcast.com forward slash tip jar. And as part of that, uh, I had that great promo I mentioned with Scott Johnson. Please go to your podcast player and search for The Morning Stream and Film Sack. I promise you won't regret it. They are my absolute podcasting heroes, Scott and Brian over at Frog Pants. I don't know where the name came from, uh, but they are absolutely brilliant. Please also follow my panel. You know, that guy, you know, Matt, he, he does a lot of the stuff, you know. When, when we say words out loud, a lot of the time they're Matt's words because he sits there and he does the legwork to make sure that we've got information. We're pointed to the right things. He goes, oi, dum-dum, click this link and then you'll know what to look at, what to research and what to talk about. So you follow Matt at MattPT55. Go on. Do it. Follow his wife. He he tells me to say that. I'm not just saying, hey, go and stalk his wife. It's at A Weaver Writes. She is an author. Her books are good. People should buy them. And Matt suggests that they might be good for keeping your partner like company and, and make them less inclined to tell you to stop watching Formula One or do iRacing. That's Matt's words, not mine. It is true. Yeah. They're romance novels, aren't they? They're romance. Well, uh... They are, mm. but I, having read them all, would say that I think anyone who is a reader would enjoy them as a work of fiction. Yes, but it's also worth noting, and I was trying not to because we're in polite company, that they are mucky books. So you should be aware of that also. You know, you know they're like, you know, oh, I think you're pretty. Oh, I think you're handsome. Brilliant. Let's do that kind of thing. That's what, that's what they I, are. Yeah. Have I mentioned she's got an uh, currently unpublished and still looking for a publisher yeah. set? Three set of Formula One books. Have I mentioned oh that? Oh my goodness! All the same, like the the kind of the romancy, romancy, but based around Formula One. Totally based around Formula One. Oh, that would 100%. be amazing! And try and get it out of your head that it's based, that it's Matt Trumpet's fan fiction because that that's the reason I couldn't enjoy those books. But some people, I mean, it's a niche. But hey, I'm not I'm not kink shaming. We should never kink shame, should we, Chris? But we should follow you at Chris on racing on the internet. Yes. Please do that on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram, which is more of a personal account, but hmm. feel free to follow it if if you want updates from my desk in my home office. We do. And your cat, which thankfully yes. has returned from his two week. How dare you? Why did he make us worry so? I know, right? It, he, it started snowing. He went away, got lost, couldn't find his way home after the snow melted. And uh, I enjoyed two horrible weeks wondering where he was, but he came home safe and sound and we're all very happy. So you can have lovely Kylo Ren, that's his name, <laughs> uh, updates on my Instagram. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. And uh, so do follow Chris on Instagram. Is it Chris? Is, there's underscores in your Instagram. No, no. It's the same as my at, Twitter. At Chris, Chris on, on Racing. Racing. So Fantastic. Twitter is the professional, Instagram personal. Uh, brilliant. And please do as well follow our new friend, Tony Cohen-Brown. No. Oh, no. Um, on Twitter, it's just Tony Cowan Brown. And on TikTok, it's just T Cowan Brown, I believe. T Cowan Brown. It will be worth it. Go and check out your podcast, which are called Another Podcast. Yes. And the other one is? Unapologetic Women. Unapologetic Women. And the <laughs> links will be in those show notes below. Follow Mr. Apex F1 on Twitter. Everything you need to listen to and subscribe to the show is at Missed Apex Podcast. 
com, and you can find uh, every episode. You can find the RSS feed you should put into your podcast player. You can find ways to support us, and you can find all our other podcasts as well. So remain indoors. You can find the iRacing podcast. The W Series podcast will be on there as well. Go and check it out. We're really, really looking forward to the new season. We have very exciting news that I nearly talked about, but we... I'm going to talk about it. We have a team of writers jumping on board, a team of talented, committed people that were looking for a home, and they've decided that their home will be Missed Apex Podcast. We will tell you more as that develops. But wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex Podcast. tell you what matt now that we're at the end of the show and it's just us three why don't we give out some awards that i didn't forget let's um let's let's give out the award for the best comment in the chat room and it's called comment of the week well first up i'm gonna say thank you to patrick davis and sergio reindorf for for giving us money through the super chat thank you so much oh, wow and thank we you appreciate the compliments you shared with us as well uh, Yelmer Vanderlei says, Liberty will not pay for Abitabool's tattoo regarding their loss of income. Jelly Oom says, how about a sprint podcast after the race? Miss Apex should also stretch its legs. And I would argue that this is possibly that sprint podcast as we go. The sprint podcast is the patron only live stream on a Friday. We put very little effort into that. We just go for it. Absolutely. And we don't care about damage that we can't fix before tomorrow's race. Uh, Mark Greenhouse in with Danny Rick's hips don't lie. Wow. I have three more to go. EJ also Kevin because Danish Alonzo while flying over the hood of the car. All the time you have to leave it a space. Right. Fair enough. Cosmos 2017 says watch the Amazon predictions. They are 100% right. And I think he just left off the sarcasm tag. Forward slash and S. Final, yeah. And I have I've made the mistake of reading two EJs because his other one was formula turned on regarding my wife's unpublished formula one book. I'm really looking forward to reading that actually. Like, are we going to get any kind of consulting? Do we, do, do we need to put in some input? I don't know. We, we have to find a publishing house that will buy it and publish it. And, and so far that's been the challenge. Well, I think we can consider too niche here in the United States. Okay. Clearly you must know the word is niche. That's, it feels like you've done that to upset me. Romeo. Alpha Romeo. Yeah. Was no, that, I, that I was never mispronounce me. a word just to upset you. I know. I used to do that. I've stopped doing that now. Uh, yeah, okay. Who is the winner of Comment of the Week? Oh, it's such a challenging one, but I think we're going to have to go for Mark Greenhow. Danny Rick's hips don't lie. Comment of the Week. Now then, Mark's won a couple now, hasn't he? Because he said that he was recognized on a sim racing forum as a comment of the week winner, which I thought was fantastic. Please add that to your bio. We're out of here. 
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, ninety-six percent replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a thirty-night guarantee. Plus, get fifteen percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and ir. Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.